0: Hvorfor är er det sån att alla som lytter till klassisk musik är er snobber? Eller är er de egentlig det egentligen det? Detta är er Lytteren. en podcast om klassiska musikoplevelser med Kari Slottsväng.
1: That's the most magical moment. I still have like goosebumps when I talk about it. It's like those not even three seconds before the first notes starts. You have sometimes 1,500 people in one hall in the audience. You have 100 people on stage and it's total silence. Hi, I'm Pierre and i come from Belgium og jeg spiller klarinett i Oslo Philharmonien.
0: begin with the starting point, uh, the the home in Belgium, where you lived mm-hmm. as a kid. Can you describe the place and the house mm-hmm. and exactly where it is?
1: Yeah, so it is, it's a, like the geographic area, is, it's really specific. It's like, it's very, very special. So Belgium has a lot of, you know, um, neighbors, countries that are touching the country. And my parents' house is in the middle of nowhere. But the woods just back the house has this like weird um, uh, position where the the Netherlands, Germany and Belgium touches in one point. So you could actually have one foot on Germany, one foot on Belgium and your dog in the Netherlands.
0: Pooing in the Netherlands. Exactly. (laughs) How old were you when you found your clarinet?
1: I was around five or six uh, I started really early, but I must say I'm I'm from a really musical family. So this is something we've had around. I've had around even before I was born. My dad is a professional musician. My mom also studied music. and
0: She plays the French horn. She
1: does. My dad <laughs> plays the bass trombone. Uh, and, you know, I come from a place where the tradition of, of corps, like wind bands, is really, really big. Um, so everyone from my age would play an instrument. All my friends from school, or from from that area, had play. They played an instrument at some point in their life.
0: This is a beautiful picture. A whole village of musicians playing through the woods in Belgium. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
1: it is. It's crazy. It really was. I mean, maybe a bit less and less because it's it's becoming kind of an old-fashioned, you know, hobby. Yeah. But it used to be the really center of the village, of like the, the, the activity in the village was the wind band. So everyone would meet every Friday evening. That was like the day of the, the weekly rehearsal. And we would all meet there. And then it's not just about music. It's also about people, about, you know, um, meet having a meeting point basically for everyone to meet again and have fun. Hmm.
0: Can you describe the uniforms in the wind band to me?
1: Well, it's like maybe it's the most annoying thing um in the in that activity in that hobby. It's like this really itchy thick woolen like costume. It doesn't fit because it's you know you have the one that has been in the wind band for so many years and everyone has been through that size. So it's like Sometimes it even stings like old granny clothes, you know, and it's navy blue, completely boring with a like golden <laughs> little design on the on the chest to show from which wind band you are from. And then the worst ever is this kepi, this like hat you have, which never, ever fits Or it's too small and you have headaches during the parade. (laughs) Or it's too big and it falls in in front of your eyes all the time. You don't even see where you're going. But you have to have them.
0: Do you remember a kind of favorite piece of music you were playing in the wind band?
1: Yeah, yeah. I I mean, it's like we, we were a wind band that was touching a lot of like classical repertoire for wind bands or written for wind bands and i remember this like gustav holt's uh, suite for wind bands which are amazing it's really really beautiful
0: But you know, many kids would have given up. Like in when 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 you become thirteen or fourteen years, off you go. But you continued playing and you're a professional musician today.
1: Mm, I mean a lot of them did quit, of course, because it's a lot of other hobbies like sports or whatever that takes also a lot of time and would, you know, collide with the wind band stuff. But I was really well surrounded and my dad was the conductor. That's a big thing. Ooh. So you can't quit when your dad is conducting the band.
0: Was he kind of ambitious, made some kind of pressure on you?
1: Quite the opposite, actually. I think that since my dad has been through all that life of being a classical musician, knowing how hard it is, he was never really pushing me. Never. They would always be more, more on the careful side and try to make us realize, hey, it's a really tough life. I would say, of course, uh, apart from all those negative or like uh, horrible sounding stories, it was fun. I really had a lot of fun. Every time I could play a tune, I had fun. And being surrounded by people who loves to play too. I mean, people stay in the wind band because they love to play.
0: Can you vision or describe your first memory of music? Is that possible even?
1: I'm sure it's not, but the, maybe not the first one, but the one that maybe had a huge impact on me is like, um, I have a lot of them. One of them is literally sitting in the audience because when in the wind band, when you're a kid, you don't play with a huge, like the adults wind band directly. First of all, you have like two weeks, uh, two years of uh, kids wind band. Okay, so you play just three pieces of the concert of the annual concert, which is the big happening. So I would, I, I, re, I have this memory of me sitting in the audience and watching my dad conducting and my aunt who plays uh, the clarinet um, in the first or second row, and seeing her playing the clarinet and me just being completely mesmerized by it. Yeah. Like really, I have this like, I don't know, it it looks like sparkly, just like beautiful moment that's like one of the memory i have with the wind band or with music you um, fell
0: in love with the clarinet completely to me it's kind of a it's a kind of a human voice mm. in in the tone and that's your instrument
1: yeah it has like i think it has so much similarities with the human voice it's like it has it can be very Piercing, it can be very nasty in a way, but it also can be extremely soft, extremely voluptuous, and, and I think this is what made me fall in love for the clarinet, basically. But um, it is, yeah, it is something with with time, with experience, that you you understand more and more why composers really love that instrument because it, it is able to mix with other instruments and make these really really special sounds. Um, that are really close to the human voice. so it it is for me more and more now a, a thing to enjoy concerts and to experience concert concerts in a really different way because i have I'm now able to listen to what's happening around and and, and really enjoy and embrace this like mix of um instruments sounds uh, and and people and f- and personalities, basically,
0: yeah, what did you first listen to when you? Were able to choose yourself.
1: I remember my dad having this LP uh, machine, and we were not allowed to touch it, of course, as kids. No, of course. But he had, as him being a professional musician, he had such a huge collection of like classical pieces in those beautiful um, covers, and you know, like this was just untouchable for me. So when he said one day, like, "Ah, just pick one and put it on," and listen to it it's like for me it was classical music I can't really remember the piece but I remember I remember it like being really loud and coming out of the loudspeakers and me being just amazed at such a thin tiny black plate could make so much sound
0: yeah did you ever listen to rock or punk or funk or Electronica,
1: yeah, I mean, my mom was more into I mean so my dad was more the classical one, you know, and also I think for work he had to listen to pieces, so and he was really into baroque music, so I got all of this from him, but my mom in the car, she had this like tiny uh, red car that would just drive us all over the places because we had to drive everywhere because we were living in the middle of the woods. um, so we spent a lot of time in that car, and she had those little cassettes. And she was listening to a lot of um, chansons françaises, which are all those like Gainsbourg, Céline Dion. I have this super memory of like we sitting in the car and like singing along with the singer. And it was like... Uh, And then really later on, because at some point when you enter the studies and classical music um, studies, it's like you have to hear and listen to as much as you can of those pieces. So it's like it could be very contemporary music, very classical, but it's, you know, all part of the classical music world. But I remember discovering um, electro music kind of early. Um, And this was just because... I would go out with some friends and then discovering this like really amazing beats and those like punch music where I was like, this is just amazing. And I got really addicted to it. And during my studies, I would go out so many times, not just for dancing or having fun, but actually to really enjoy that music. And I would say now, nowadays, since all the clubs are shut down, which is so sad because this was like my little oxygen bubble, um, I would say maybe Disclosure is one of my great artists.
0: How did you get here?
1: I, it was just a time in my life where I felt, okay, I've had a good position in an orchestra in Belgium for five years and I was still very young and I felt, okay, this has been my comfort zone for a long time now. I can't see myself staying in this comfort zone for the next 40 years. So I just felt I need to discover the world. Um, So I just found out this open position in Philharmonic. And then I remembered, oh, I had an amazing vacation with my parents some years back, um, doing um, camping with my parents on like this huge truck. And we would go from, we, we did, I think, Denmark, Sweden, Norway, back to Denmark and back to Belgium for like two and a half weeks. And it was the best vacation ever like waking up every morning in another fjord it was just like completely <laughs> heaven so I when I saw that ad for Oslo Philharmonic I felt like wow that I have a good feeling about because I have I've have such a nice memory of Norway so then I applied and then yeah at some point I got the job
0: Hello Oslo exactly good for us good for me and that's a kind of a team working together to make the best of it. Can you describe your um, experiences inside the orchestra when you're playing the conductor is there, the, the audience is there mm. and what kind of work is this?
1: It's super hard to explain. We're building kind of this new animal where everyone is, everyone is part of it, everyone plays a little role but without one of them the, the animal would not survive so we need, we need every one of us to give 100% to be able to you know get to the final point which is playing an amazing concert so that's for the inside of the orchestra I feel it's really organic thing happening it's not just playing your note and you're done it's like you have to share you have to be able to like you know embrace all the emotions around and and be part of every little moment so even if you sometimes you might not have a lot to play in a piece but you can't be passive listening right. when you're not playing. You need to have this like, you know, activity, even when you don't play, that is to support your colleagues or to help, you know, the, the, the group feeling to just get through. Yeah. Um, and then with the audience, it's a it's, um, sharing thing. It's like we try to bring to them as much as we can, but we need also to feel that they try to give us their attention. That's the most magical moment. I still have like goosebumps when I talk about it. It's like those not even three seconds before the first notes starts. You have sometimes fifteen hundred people in one hall in the audience. You have a hundred people on stage, and it's total silence. Yeah. And you have those like yeah, two three seconds where. Everyone is in the same place and wants the same.
0: Do you have an example of a, of a piece of kind of a, a musical work that does this to you?
1: Maybe the Rite of Spring. And it's, it's kind of, you know, a bit cliche. But it's still This this melody on the bassoon is so insane. It has so much like emotions in it. And it's one instrument starting, you know.
0: Your chosen work, the work you want to share with Lytteren, mm-hmm. all our listeners, it's says No, you can present it yourself. Yeah. What is it?
1: So, it's one of my favorite pieces ever. And it's because maybe, probably, most probably, because I have so much memories with it. And it's César Franck, uh symphony, D symphony. It's just... I've played it so many times in Belgium. And, and maybe also, I, it's my favorite piece now. You know, it changes a lot. Being a musician, you play so much pieces. So maybe this week it's César Franck. Maybe next week it's going to be Berio, And it's just like changing a lot. But nowadays, it's like I'm I, I'm a little bit homesick, I must say. Because yeah. it has been again a new round of those, you know, cases and blah, blah, blah. is the pandemic thing. And, and so I, I felt like, oh... I just had those amazing memories with with that symphony because it's it's a Belgian composer, and uh, in my previous job in Belgium, we used to play it everywhere we would go, because it's kind of you know our almost our national anthem. So um, I've yeah all my my early years as a professional musician, I played that piece so often and I have so much memories in different countries, different places with different people, but it still brings me this amazing joy. And especially the third movement, which it's something that is you can't sit while you listen to it. You know, it's like it's this like uncontained joy and energy that every time I listen to it and every time I play, I'm still so excited about it.
0: And you're getting homesick. Yeah, but it's it's kind of
1: Um, healing me from this, listening to it. It's beautiful. Ah, I love it.
0: I never stop wondering how a big symphonic orchestra can be that precise. Mm. It's so to the point all yeah. the time, it's yeah, lovely.
1: It's, it's, it's so hard for me to speak because I'm so, you know, when I listen to this, I'm just like, ah! That's all the magic about being a musician. It's like you can actually create those really precise thing that sounds like one person, one thing, And it's a hundred people on stage. How amazing is this?
0: (laughs) You should see his face. (laughs) (laughs) He's listening to this. It's pure joy. What is the composer describing to us here? You know that? Oh,
1: that's a oh. It's a kind of sweet and sour hope because it is a lot of passages, like this one now, which is mysterious, scary. You know, it is not the joyful moment we had in the beginning of the movement.
0: It's an afterthought.
1: Exactly. So it's like bringing us to this, those really. Contradictable, well, contra- yeah, yeah. Well, emotions, exactly, exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, emotions, um, which is when you're in a place where you're kind of emotional, it's kind of a this emotional lift, you know, you could feel sometimes a bit seasick because it's bringing so much here's kind of despair and pain in the melodies, and it's this beautiful English horn solo coming now. And if there is one instrument that touches the soul, I think after the clarinet is the English horn. It is this like sad sound in a way of very dramatic. It's just so beautiful.
0: I feel like waving to my mother.
1: <laughs> nice.
0: <laughs> and it's floating.
1: It is exactly. And I think maybe that's one of Franck's characteristic. It's like this rarely big stops. It's always is going somewhere and it's really long long phrasings. That's romantic area, you know. And the funny thing in this symphony I think for me is like I don't want to oversell it but it's like it it gives every instrument a little moment of um you know light light. maybe one of the highlights of the movements now.
0: (laughs) It's fascinating to look at your face (laughs) while listening to the music because your face is changing all the time. It's following Mm. the music, Mm -hmm. the music's movements.
1: And again, a sour moment questions all the way
0: where are we going
1: where are we going
0: can you remember the first time you listened to the symphony
1: i have a really vague memory of me being in the concert hall in liege and listen to it it's it's not really clear it's a bit like you know foggy but um again and i think i I was even more in love with the second movement at that time because i just couldn't understand how it was possible to make instrument sing so beautiful melodies together. I was just completely amazed.
0: So you should listen to the whole thing.
1: Definitely, yeah. From it's, the it's it's a whole thing. It's like it's a whole story. You really, I mean, when you listen to the third movement now, what we just did is it's it sounds amazing and it's really fantastic. But it's it has an even bigger impact when you listen to the first and the second movement before. There was just one thing I wanted to say about mm. the, the movement here is that um, since it's played by this Belgian orchestra for so much and it has been recorded by them, I think like five or six times, you know, every, almost every chief conductor that is coming there wants to record their own version. You know, it's like an institution there. Um But the funny thing is um it has a lot of traditions also in it. So it's like in Liege, in that orchestra, the trumpets, for example, at the end add a top voice just to make it even more vibrant and even more brilliant and it's those little things that um I can bring when we play them in 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 Oslo for example so I know it's it's the plan is maybe to have it next season 23 24 something and it's things that you actually it's fun to go to a conductor and say hey you know like I think I've had a lot of experience with that piece. Maybe we should add a little trumpet there and a little thing there because it makes it more more vibrant or more, you know, special. So it's it's that's also a really cool thing about like memories and places where you've played the piece before. It's like you also have a way to play it which is different in every orchestra.
0: Och det betyder, jag för vet att du förstår när eh, går och det syns vi att det ska göra i konserthus och eh, höra fil har harmonien næste år. Mm. om de da spiller dette stykke, så vedtere, at Pierre har <laughs> tipset om et par små fingerudtryk.
1: I can I, I can, can just raise my hand when it's happening. Yes,
0: you do that. You do that. Pierre, Honneau, what is your hope for the nearest future?
1: My hope is to be able to invite every person to one of our concerts just to experience this amazing feeling of a live concert. It, it is something extremely special. You don't have to be prepared. You don't have to have an amazing experience with classical music. It literally is such a, an amazing feeling to see a hundred people on stage playing together and giving, serving you all those emotions. Please come. Don't have any... Back story, thinking about this is not my place. This is not for me. It's it's for everyone, and I think in in everyone's life, everyone should experience that at least once. Because when you experience it once, you want to have more.
0: In episode av Littern, møter dere komiker Kolpus og når hun hører vogn av Grieg, åbner Finnmarksvida sig foran henne. Og så står solen kæmpe over horisonten, sådan at den træffer dig ret i fjæsene. Det er som du står ansigt i ansigt med solen. Altså himmelen har aldrig været så stor. Behöver du ikke med deg navn på musikstycker, låter eller komponister? Det löser vi. Check netsidan ofono scrolltreck ofo står för Oslo Filharmonien. Där finner du spillelister för absolut alla episoder av denna serien. Adressen alltså scrolltreck